I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Football Chat with May and Kat. We're two Australian girls, football fanatics and good friends who spend most of our time watching, playing or talking football. I'm May and I live in London. And I'm Kat living in Sydney. But no distance will stop us from Football Chat. Let's kick off. Alicia, welcome to Football Chat with May and Kat. We are so delighted to have you on the show today because it's International Women's Day and there is no better day to celebrate the achievements of women in football than today. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to speak with you guys. As with every podcast, we just want to kick off with your football history. So how did you get into the game? And then give us a bit of a timeline on how you got to playing with the Newcastle Jets. Yeah, so um, I started football at the age of five, um, playing with the boys like a lot of uh, female uh, footballers start out um, and um, played with the Gladesville Ravens and then um, switched over to um, a girls team um, and then played uh, in Premier League for the Northwest Sydney Koalas um, at a young age. And then um, I made Sydney FC at the age of um, around 16, 17. Um, mostly was on the bench there, but that was an amazing experience. Um, I played uh, under 17s Australian squad and then under 20s um, Australian squad, which was amazing experiences and overseas trips uh, and things which were very um, just valuable to just learn um, things about different cultures and be around amazing other footballers. Um, and then in 2013, I went over to the University of Wyoming and played uh, college football football there um, and that ended up being five years there um, with a red shirt year and then um, returned back played a season back at the old club with Northwest Sydney Koalas and then um, yeah earlier last year at the end of 2020 I trialed for the Jets and I made it and I've um, been playing um, there and it's been amazing and um, really enjoying it so far. So you've had a lot of experiences in in different leagues and teams. Uh, which one which one do you think was a big highlight or probably the biggest learning experience for you? Mm, I would say uh, the college experience um, is pretty incredible. Um, you are just training um, year round with the same squad and um, really just. Uh, pre-season sometimes there was two or three trainings a day um, that was yeah just really pushes you to your limits and um, there's a lot of work off the field as well go that goes into just 
um, who you are as a person, you know, and integrity and um, pushing it in the gym and things like that. And so yeah. um, my experience at college taught me a lot. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I know, I mean, I think we all know that soccer or football in, in the US is women's soccer is a very big sport um, and it's there, I guess, the hallmark of women's soccer around the world, I think. Uh, did you find that there was a difference of how the sport is perceived, like how the women's sport is perceived there versus in Australia? Yeah, as in uh, like public perception? Yeah, the perception, the I guess the following, um, it's a college sport as well. So would you get big crowds, the people value it as a women's sport? Because I think a lot of the time in Australia, it's still not quite at that level. Mm, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, definitely um, was valued. I think that um, in America, the Title IX um, kind of laws that regulate that women's sports have to get the same uh, as the men's sports was really just amazing. It's an incredible law. And um, so anytime the men got you know, nutrition or things like that, it would filter through to us and colleges would have to make sure that if they want their male programs to be successful, that they'd have to um, also put into the women's programs. Um, so we really had amazing facilities and um, a lot, um, like you said, yeah, we had good crowds and things like that. And um, a college sport is just a crazy amazing thing like you, you do get um so many followers and um our little town of Laramie <laughs> um was only 30,000 people but people would just show up and really support you and so yeah it was pretty amazing it sounds so cool so cool did <laughs> you I, I mean you're obviously playing top tier women's football now in Australia how have you found the transition from let's I know you played a season with the koalas again, but I'm really interested to compare that college experience with the, the women's league experience here. Do you still, do you feel that it, it is supported in the same way as overseas or do you think that there's a lot left to be, to be done, I suppose? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, I would say it's different um, in that the college um, landscape. Well, the college game is different actually rules wise because it's basically unlimited subs. And so that really brings into, I mean, there are like some subbing rules. You can come off and then back on and things like that. I kind of lost track. Um, but it was really, um, an athletic game and, you could go on, sprint your heart out and then be subbed off. And um, yeah, it was so physical as well. Um, so I'd say it was different in that aspect. And I'm um, really having to transition and um, yeah, just be comfortable with having the ball at my feet more. I would say it was um, really quite in the US Um more long balls, you know, which um, aren't, isn't always a bad thing, but just a lot more direct um, than we play in Australia. So um, getting used to it in that way. Um, I would also say um, 
the W League has come a long way since when I played in Sydney back in um, when I was 17 or 18. And so that has been amazing. Um, I'm thankful for that pathway for women and um, pretty much majority of my team do still hold a job outside of um, football. And so I'd love to see um, the game go even further. Um, we also just have one and a bit rounds. You kind of only play a couple of teams three times. Um, I mean, sorry, three teams, two times. Um, and so it would be great to just see that season extended. Um, and I do think there's a lot of talk around that and um, playing two full rounds and being able to be supported by a club year round rather than um, basically having four or five months of W League and then um, having to find another league in off season. Um, so I would say, yeah, there's been amazing work by people and and. Um, it is way more professional and, and really great, but there's still a lot of room for improvement for sure. May, you were asking about the two-team thing before. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know if I'm making this up, but the, are there um, players who play a season in Australia and then go do a second season overseas? Does that happen? Yeah, yeah it does. So, um that is kind of the nice thing about the Australian League being shorter and being in summer. Um, often women will um, play in the NWSL in the US. That kind of works out well timing-wise. Um, there's a few in Norway and things like that. Um, obviously, the women playing in the UK right now, their contracts are more year-round. Um, so they, they are able to kind of sign multi-year contracts and things like that and be supported year-round um, through football, which is an awesome step and fun to see those women um, succeeding over there. Um, but, yeah, so a lot. So I will play, um, I plan on playing Premier League with the Northwest Sydney Koalas again during off-season. Um, so, yeah. Go back to the the statement you made about needing two jobs. So we had Roberto and Georgia Speranza on the show a couple of weeks ago and they both play for Marconi Stallions and they were talking about kind of that internal debate that they had growing up on whether or not they go full force and pursue that full-time football career or if they look to, to educate themselves and have what we would call a backup plan. Um, I think it sounds like it's not a, it's not a backup plan in the women's league. It's actually just, it's just a smart way of survival. Yeah, it's, it's survival and it's a smart way of utilizing your time and making sure that you're financially secure. I'm just curious how much pressure there is to have that second job and I guess what you do, what keeps you busy outside of the the football that you do. And yeah. I just want to jump in on that. Sorry. Um, yeah. From what you were saying before about the different leagues and where women play twice a year, um, it sounds like it's only the Women's Super League in, in the UK that, that supports women all year round. Is that uh, so everywhere else are women taking on a second job as well or are there other leagues that support um, year round salaries? 
Yeah, I'm not entirely sure on that one. Um, I just, the UK one is front of mind, um, the WSL over there, I think, just because a lot of Australian women have gone over there this year. Um, yeah. So there may be a couple of others um, for sure. Um, but in terms of um, the wages in US, um, sorry, in Australian sport, um, for yeah, women's football in the W League, it's um, on minimum wage, pretty necessary to have another job outside of that. Um, and so um, there are some, some exceptions and um, some women who are getting higher um, pay absolutely in the W League. And, um, but yeah, for the most part, um, we, we do need um, to work outside of football. Um, and I would say that it's been really tough. <laughs> um, so I'll work, you know, um, 8.15 to 4.30 and then pretty much go to training um, five o'clock pretty much every afternoon um, and then come home, eat, shower, sleep, do it all again. And so, um, yeah, it has, it has been tough, but um, it's helped me to keep grounded and, and balanced as well. I'm actually um, kind of glad to have work outside of football and um, just to, yeah, have have that as something different. And so, um, and what I do for work, I, I'm a um, debt counsellor. Uh, so basically help clients to um, budget and help them help to speak with their creditors and um, to get out of sometimes a lot of debt. Um, so it's amazing and really rewarding. Um, so yeah, really thankful for that job and um, really glad um, that my job has been flexible because we sometimes have Thursday games, Monday games, and we have a Monday game in Perth um, coming up. And so it's not easy, um, but my work has been great. Um, and yeah, flexible, which is um, definitely what I needed during this season. So it's great. It must be, yeah, it must be a lot of work to manage both a full-time job and, and full-time football or full-time football part of the year as well uh I couldn't even I I struggle <laughs> to be honest so it's um a lot of work that a lot of women are doing to to survive and to be able to play football as well um do you think I mean do you have any thoughts or or points that you think could support the women's league expanding to a level where women can support themselves through football full-time is there anything you think that could help the women's league in Australia grow? Yeah, I think, um, as I said, it has come a long way. Um, the PFA um, is the union for football in Australia, um, and they've been doing amazing work with bargaining agreements, collective bargaining agreements and things like that um, to help with wages. Um, and um, so that's been great um I think that um probably uh this is a topic of conversation for many um you know football associations and things and um isn't something that's going to be changed overnight really encouraging um young kids to come um and watch women's football and just building up crowds um building up um 
viewers on TV and things like that um, can only help. And so hopefully those numbers just keep growing and that um, a lot of money is put into grassroots um, so that the game of football can just keep growing in Australia. Yeah, and then off the back of that, we've got the Women's World Cup coming up, which um, in two years' time is not that far away, but Australia and New Zealand will be co-hosting that. Uh, so that should hopefully be a really big driver in pushing the sport for women in Australia. Um, and there's, I mean, I see a lot of a lot of planning going into it and Football Australia are really excited about it. I mean, as you would be, I'm really excited about it. So hopefully, yeah. A lot more girls get into where a lot of money goes into the sport and it, it should bring uh, the sport to centre stage and secretly hoping that the Matildas win so it'll push it even further. <laughs> uh, I, I think we all hope that. Yeah, of course. Of course. Have you had a chance uh, to play with the Matildas or would, would that be an ambition of yours to, to do that? Um, so... I played in um, the Young Matildas, the under-20s, um, which was amazing. Um, I would say that um, not not young anymore. <laughs> um, and so I'm probably not holding on to that dream too tightly. But, I mean, it would be incredible. I'd never completely count it out. Um, it would be an, an amazing dream. Um, but, yeah, I would say... Not holding my breath. <laughs> well, I guess it's a testament to how much talent there is, right? That you yourself, you've obviously had such a colourful career so far, travelling the world and doing all these things um, that are far better than any of the male footballers that I know, if I'm completely honest. And you still you still speak so highly of the, the fact that, you know, you might not get a spot in the Matildas, which I think if anything just says how great the team really is. Um, but on that, what would be the coolest team to play with? Um, it could be any league, any country. I'd love to know where you see yourself in a dream, of course, or it could happen. <laughs> in reality, come on. No, no, I take Speaking it back. In it. reality, in reality, I take it back. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, that's a tough one. I have really enjoyed uh, watching Ellie Carpenter uh, at Olympic Lyon at, in France. Um, and that just looks amazing. Um, France would be so cool um, just to kind of, yeah, be, I don't know, near the, <laughs> near the Eiffel Tower and eating baguettes and playing football. Um, and, yeah, that's an incredible league where there's just so many amazing players, um, female players from around the world. Um, so I think that would be my choice. <laughs> Do you, do you see the W League um, as a stepping stone to getting into European teams? Or do you think there's something else that um, do players need to go offshore to, to make that move into, into the WSL or into the, the French Women's League or, or European leagues generally? Yeah, so I would say, um, yeah, that's a tough one because there are amazing players in the W League and the hope is that, um, I mean, I hope this, I, and I've had a few chats and um, 
it would be amazing that it's not a stepping stone if it actually is um, one of the top leagues in the world and people are able to, you know, can um, just a few months and then kind of feel like you have to go somewhere else um, to keep up quality um, touches and things like that. And so uh, I would say probably at the moment it is maybe a stepping stone, um, but also there's incredible local talent in the W League as well. And even with a lot of the Matildas playing in Europe this year, um, there's still been great quality football. I've been really enjoying watching the W League and playing the W League this year um, with, yeah, amazing talent um, on, on the Newcastle Jets and in other teams and so um, I think that that just shows that um, this league is progressing and um, that hopefully there's, um, yeah, it can be a full-time kind of thing in the future. Yeah, it's, I didn't think about it prior, but it's interesting to think that Australia does produce so many high-quality women footballers and there are so many playing it at the top level and yet our own national league isn't, isn't at the same standard or even close to the same standard to to pump out these professional players. So it's like, well, where are they all coming from? How are they how are they all getting there? Um, and yet, it still continues to happen. So um, perhaps it's a testament to our grassroots programs or or the sport coming up at at a younger level. Um, but yet, we're still so proud to have so many girls overseas yeah, doing you... doing their thing in, in big teams yeah. as well. Were there many Australians playing with you overseas or did you come across many Australians in your college journey? Yeah, so Australia um, does, yeah, to speak on that, May, that was, um, yeah, well said. It's amazing seeing those women uh, in some huge leagues just doing great things. Um, in, so at the University of Wyoming, there were a lot of uh, Aussies, uh, which was fun. At one time, I think we had about five Aussies and we'd do the Celebrate Australia thing um, all together and things like that. Um, I would say that Wyoming was a bit of an anomaly in that there's very small local population um, and so they do have to recruit um from Australia, from Canada, we had some Californians, you know, all around. Um, but there is um, even more um, Aussie females going over to play soccer. Um, yeah, it, it's just becoming more and more exciting and, and some for some big teams too. Um, Tegan, Micah and um, Beatty Goad were um, in, you know, big leagues over in the um, college kind of system um, and doing great things and getting recognised and I think that's just going to help to open the pathway for more Aussies in the future um, when teams see the quality that uh, comes out of Australia. I guess as we get older I'm really interested in how you find physically being able to adapt to the changes in the game and so you talked about how um, it was obviously a very different style of in college um, soccer. I keep wanting to say football, but I know it's actually soccer. Um, <laughs> it's okay. And I have heard as well that in the in the A League too that the players comment that it's it's a slower game in in the sense that there's more time on the ball. 
there's more emphasis on um, passing and whatnot. When it comes to training, do you find that the training with the Newcastle Jets is less, um, I suppose, demanding than it was in the college environment? Or are you finding that in general, there's just a high caliber of training that's required to play at the level that you're at? Here at the Jets, it's amazing uh, training sessions in terms of uh, working on skill. And um, it's always very structured around um, how we'll specifically play that week or things that we need to work on from the week before, things like that. Um, I would say training is pretty comparable uh, in both places for the most part um, in college uh, versus at the Jets. Um, in college, you have the, oh, I guess the coaches have the uh, advantage that they know your schedule <laughs> because it's basically put together around um, your training schedule. Um, you, they know what times of the day they can have you um, whereas you know the coaches at the Jets have to be very mindful of um, people working and things like that and so might not be able to um, get us together as often uh, but we still manage to probably get together around uh, five or six times a week so <laughs> yeah. and do you train with everyone each time or is it very dependent on schedules like you said so we train with everyone um, each time yeah it's um yeah, it's been pretty good, um, girls being able to get to training and things. And we actually, some of the younger ladies from up this way, uh, from the Emerging Jets, will come down and train with us. And that allows us to do 11 v 11 and things like that, um, which, and uh, hopefully they enjoy it and get some exposure as well. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's great to have um, those women around and um there's some great young girls um young talent coming through there and so um hoping to see them doing big things in the future as well amazing how's the newcastle lifestyle because you've <laughs> obviously lived in lots of different places where does newcastle stand in relation to wyoming in relation to sydney Oh, I really enjoy Newcastle. How good is having the beach like 10 minutes away, no matter where you are? <laughs> um, I have been liking just the laid back kind of um, vibes. Everyone's so relaxed up here. And um, yeah, there's a lot of effort and emphasis put into events and kind of creating that um, love for the location and things like that so farmers markets and stuff and I I just really enjoy that stuff I actually um, moved to Newcastle uh, for work first before I knew wow. I was playing for the Jets um, and yeah I'd got kind of to a point where Sydney was getting a bit busy for me and I wanted a change and so um, yeah glad I stumbled upon Newcastle <laughs> Just I guess upon. coming back to Sydney after <laughs> coming back yeah. to Sydney after yeah. small town Wyoming would be pretty tough. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, yeah. I was uh, very spoiled over there in, um, yeah, not having really any traffic ever, um, and yeah, Wyoming was its own. Um, yeah, it's amazing and crazy, and you know we'd have negative twenty degrees, very snowy wow. and cold. <laughs> Um, wow. and so, and yeah, just a lot of, um, ranches and things like that. And so that cowboy kind of culture was just a very fun 
and different thing to experience outside of Sydney. Um, yeah, nothing like it. Wyoming is a pretty cool place. Um, but I've honestly loved everywhere I live. Um, I'm not not bagging on Sydney because I do love it and probably see myself eventually living back there as well because it's incredible. Um, but yeah, just for this time of my life, um, Newcastle fit really well. Amazing. I can imagine I'm going to have the same issue when I go from Cyprus back to London from kind of small, small city, small island, everything's so quiet and peaceful and then back into the, the busy busy London life is going to be a struggle yeah. and I'm going to miss yeah. the, I'm going to miss the beach that's for sure yeah <laughs> let's finish off the podcast in an international women's day kind of theme what advice do you have for any young female who's listening and admiring what you're doing just if they want to be a professional footballer if they want to do anything what is what is a nice piece of advice that you could give them things aren't just going to happen for you uh if you want if you want it, go get it. Um, whether that's putting in extra hours outside of training, um, whether it's contacting a college coach um, or, yeah, making connections that way, um, whether it's, yeah, doing um, just chatting with a coach and saying, hey, what can I improve on? How can I get better? Um, just things like that. Um, you have the ability to um do whatever like it's it's um when I look back you know pretty crazy that really little things helped me to get um into next levels and things like that um and so just working hard um and um yeah you can go places I love that and I'm gonna take that advice and run with it too I think it's relevant to my career as well. Yeah, I think I think you can copy and paste that advice into into a lot of contexts. And I think as females, you know, where we are lucky to see so many changes in in every aspect of our lives, but there is still a lot of a lot left to be to be done. And I guess su- supporting each other is one of the best things that we can do um, as as we go through life and we go through all of our own challenges, because in one way or another, we're all kind of experiencing the same feelings and the same challenges in different ways. Thank you so much for your time today, Alicia. It's been so nice to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Um, I I mentioned um, that I really did want to come on and um, chat on this podcast because I love that um, you're doing this and just, um, yeah, keep going and um it's amazing I was so thankful um that you asked me to come on and so I'm looking forward to listening to your future podcasts awesome thank you so much thanks Alita thanks guys if you enjoyed the show subscribe so you don't miss any episodes got a question for us hit us up on email twitter or instagram just check the description for details bye Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 